Good day and welcome to the Goad Kick. You know what? We're not going to do that anymore. This is the Goad Kicker X podcast. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to Goad Kicker X podcast. This is your host Carl D. Smith, and it's nice to be back again. For those of you who have uh, listened to the shows in the past, uh, you know you'll you'll get a chuckle out of the fact we're trying this again. Um, but for those of you who are new to the show, uh, this is actually like the fourth uh, iteration of this show. Maybe technically the fifth, but there was a pause between like two seasons of one of the shows, and so I'm not going to get too technical, but. You know, this show was started a long, long time ago, and it's kind of followed me through some pretty heavy seasons of my life. And, you know, as we escape from 2020 and, and kind of look forward, um, you know, there was any time during last year I could have pulled the, the trigger and started the podcast again. But what I found in 2020, uh, amongst the many things that I learned about myself and the world around me, was that I hated podcasts. I just... Uh, I grown sour on the whole uh, endeavor. Um, I was struggling to listen in, listening to even the ones my friends were recording at the time, and um, it was just a tough place to be. Um, I, I found them a little silly, uh, not the ones my friends were doing so much, but the other ones that are out there, there was just a glut of them, and they all have these very uh, kitschy and fun themes. Um, I was listening to one for a while that each episode is one minute of the movie Cabin Boy explored chronologically. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's fun as an exercise, which is the important part of it, but it was overwhelming and I'm not entirely sure why. It was a little bit of that uh, jealousy at content being created that you're not involved in, perhaps, or it just was the fact that I was withdrawing into myself during a really heavy Heavy year with a lot of negative uh, input from all angles. So, you know, we're going to try it again. I think one thing that a lot of people can agree about when we look at the impact that uh, the year 2020 and the COVID pandemic and uh, in America, the election cycle we were in and some of the civil unrest that was going on, all it really served to do was sort of push us all into the fringes of our own lives. And there's a lot of people who felt like they disappeared from life. They disappeared from the narrative, from the script. And um, a lot of those people, when they tried to look at themselves from the outside and get a little uh, introspective and a, a little philosophical, they realized that if they could disappear completely, that it wouldn't matter to the world. And it was a heavy thing to realize. And a lot of people succumbed to that. Uh, depression, suicide, um, making uh, big life choices uh, based on this new paradigm that they were facing. Uh, it was world-shaking. It changed the foundation of where they fit 
in their own lives. And um, if you aren't out there making a noise and getting feedback, it's an easy place to be. It's easy to realize or to assume, I should say, that you don't matter to anybody and that you most of all don't matter uh, to this uh, timeline of human history that we're on, uh, that we're all just these blips that won't do anything of consequence, you know, other than maybe have children. So, um so one way to fight against that um, is either to rant incessantly on social media about the things that grind your gears, or it's to create content of some sort, uh, to be creative, to create art, to uh, in indulge yourself in a hobby. And I've seen all sorts of degrees of this in all sorts of formats from my close friends, the, the, the friends I'm calling my inner circle or my super family, uh, the larger tribe at hand, and uh, even sort of the acquaintances beyond. And I've seen people deal with uh, the effects of 2020 in many different ways. And so I have tried to, uh, amongst many things, double down on my creative output. For those of you who know me or have followed me in some fashion, you know that I'm a writer. And while I've tried my hand at many different creative endeavors, uh, writing is really my main output. And I'm back in the saddle with writing regularly and trying to produce some novels uh, that are worthy of, of maybe soliciting an agent for finally. And rather than just uh, you know, abusing my friend Tim or, or, or putting them out as uh, self-published works, uh, going to try to do it legit this time. And so I'm working pretty hard on those things. But once you get in a creative mindset, you have ideas, you have projects that you want to chase, and they can either become distractions or they can become uh, fruitful uh, endeavors to kind of uh, keep everything lubricated and all the moving parts working like they're supposed to. And I'm hoping that this podcast, as regular or irregular as it ends up being, is not only in the same vein as the Goad Kicker podcast in the past always was, but, uh, you know, Goad Kicker X, as we approach it here, is more for me than it is for you. It's, it's a, a chance for me to create uh, my meandering content and for you to come along for the ride uh, if you find it's worthy of your time, if you think it's beneficial to your life, and if you just want to encourage me as a part of your kin group that you've chosen. Um, and I, for any of those reasons, I, I thank you. Uh, thank you for listening and taking the time. And uh, without further delay, let's just jump back into this like we never missed a beat, can we? <laughs> Are you guys familiar with what the difference between satire and parody is? I, I myself get a little confused with these things. Um, and I think that uh, you can go a long time in life and, and use words. Uh, and contextually, people will know what you're talking about. But we sort of forget what their real meanings are. And sometimes that nuance matters. Um, satire... Uh, is when um, you use a creative uh, format to make a comment about the world or uh, an event or a personality. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be uh, funny. Uh, a lot of times, satire isn't funny. Um, it's thought provoking, and sometimes. 
depending on the depth of the satire, um, it's something that might be able to be enjoyed or consumed in some level without the realization of the message that is being put forth. Um, I think of satire uh, in the form of something like The Man in the White Suit. It's an Alec Guinness movie uh, where a man invents a new sort of textile that uh, never wears out and it's practically indestructible. It doesn't get dirty. It holds its color well. And um, the men and women of different industries uh, don't want it on the market. And it becomes a little bit of a farce in that they want him dead and they try to hunt him down. And um, and the movie kind of is the chase of this everyman who has invented this amazing thing that would upend uh, the worldwide textile industry. It's satire. It's satire on how business runs, on how money sometimes uh, is is more important than the human condition and the human experience and especially the human individual. Parody, on the other hand, to me is like one of the lowest forms of comedy. And it's not that I don't indulge in it in some manner. It's just so um, it's so lowbrow. Uh, when you think of parody, think of something like The Naked Gun or the airplane movies. Or even worse, uh, the movies like Scary Movie or Not Another Teen Movie, where they just riff on movies that have existed or, or things, uh, television shows or, or fictional, uh, fictional works. And just uh, change just enough so that uh, you know that they're making fun of James Bond or they're making fun of, uh, of a teen romance movie. And, and they just make silly jokes. Uh, it's, it's on the level of fart humor. Now, as someone that grew up appreciating Mad Magazine, I was exposed to two very, very uh, strong representations of humor uh, in the form of satire and parody, because Mad Magazine definitely had both. And they had their, their fair share of original content as well. I think of the Don Martin uh, comics and, and things of that nature. Um, that's what made Mad Magazine so subversive, is it was enjoyable, it was funny, but it had a lot to say. It wasn't there just for yucks. Um, something like Saturday Night Live can be problematic because at times it is subversive and it is uh, satirical. But, uh, you know, very often it's just uh, humor or uh, at worst, it's just parody for the sake of parody. It's uh, lampooning uh, public figures and just focusing in on one personality trait, real or perceived, and um, making it so exaggerated that it becomes comical and making uh, these people a one-note uh, one personality. It's sort of like those drawings, those character drawings that you'll get at like a state fair or somewhere where they take something that's uniquely you and make it the center of the of the cartoon of the illustration, and um, exaggerate it to the point where it's comical or or you know stylish uh, stylistic. The reason I ask if you are aware of the difference between uh, parody and satire uh, is because. Um, the, the, this, there's a subtle difference in both the aim 
and the execution of both these things. Now, parody, it's obvious that you can't do parody without reference to the source material. Uh, Famously, one of the early Mad Magazines had Super Duper Man, right? Uh, It was a Superman parody comic strip, um, and he had his reds and blues on. uh, But it wasn't Superman, but they didn't go out of their way really to avoid reference to the things we know and love about Superman. His secret identity, his powers, his relationship to Lois Lane, and his silly costume that he wears when he's Clark Kent. They make reference to all these things, and it's a parody. And it was very funny, and thankfully, you know, uh, those things are allowed under uh, the laws and standards in our country, sometimes. But then there's also satire. Satire can be very biting. Satire is like uh, Marx Brothers' movie Duck Soup, which has a lot to say about how political systems work without referencing any specific country necessarily, any real country, or any real uh, world leaders. As I mentioned before, sometimes uh, satire can be dangerous because you don't always realize it's satire. If the aim is to get your message across to the world, um, it can feel a little heavy-handed and a little, a little on the nose. Um, if the person creating a satirical work is too clever, um, it can be a little light on its execution, and it can be debatable whether or not uh, beyond the writer or the filmmaker or the illustrator's uh, Intent. If there's any real nuggets of uh, of satirical uh, truth or satirical material that passes on to the reader, and it's easy to circumvent that original intent by the fan base because they're entertained. It's using uh, it's using a creative uh, outreach to sort of house this message, and it's housed too well, and uh, it's enjoyed on the surface. Recently, uh, at least somewhat recently, um, the biggest example I can think of this is The Chappelle Show, which was very subversive and very satirical of race relationships here in the United States. He also tackled other issues such as... uh, you know, chemical abuse and, um, you know, male-female sexual politics and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, other than just being something that really uh, fed into youth culture uh, at the time or, or middle middle youth culture or, or, or uh, young adult culture, however you want to look at it, it was satirical. It was very satirical about our attitudes, uh, our social attitudes. And it was very smart. It was very clever, and it was very vulgar, and uh, sometimes that satire got lost in the spectacle of the humor, and a large part of its audience um, glommed on to the funny part and missed the satire. They missed the message. They didn't walk away smarter or with a better eye for society around them. They walked away 
just repeating catchphrases and laughing for, as Dave Chappelle has said in the past, the wrong reasons, which is what prompted him to prompted him to quit before a good third season was recorded. Recently, I've sort of dug back into Judge Dredd uh, comics. I have a big uh, love for the original Judge Dredd comics. And when you think of Judge Dredd, um, you think of this macho uh, super future cop that is allowed to both judge and sentence criminals on the spot, which usually ends up violent. Uh, We had that wonderful, wonderful movie that came out uh, just named Dredd. with uh, with Tom Hardy as Judge Dredd, and it was a perfect, perfect represent- representation of Dredd on the screen. But we, because of the violence and because of the of the thrilling nature and the easy adoption of that uh, that trope, that super cop, we um we don't always recognize the fact that Judge Dredd, more often than not, was incredibly goofy. Um, there's a story where a man is hunted down and uh, ultimately uh, uh, judged. He, I don't think he's killed. I think he's just put into an ISO cube for having more than one job in a time when unemployment rates are so high that it's seen as uh, greedy for a man to be ambitious to support his family uh, because there's so many other people needing jobs. Um, there's one where, uh, a man, um, a man invents a gun that scrambles your neurons so that you become instantly an idiot and it's called the stupid gun. And there's a story where judge dread and the other judges kind of go on this, uh, this, uh, cross town caper, uh, trying to track down and reclaim the stupid gun as more and more people get zapped by it. Uh, from some criminals who who have control of this gun. Um, there's uh, dinosaurs, there's mutants in the wasteland, all these different things that happen uh, that are just absolutely silly. And it's just science fiction uh, comedy. It's not even parody, it's just comedy. But every once in a while, because the the young men uh, and, and the editor uh, who were making this weekly comic book for uh, for 2000 AD also had a lot to say about the world, and it was deeply satirical. It was satirical of the United States, of gun culture, of uh, sexual politics, of fascism, of capitalism, uh, the the privatization of. Uh, of armed forces in a way uh, where uh, when you outsource uh, all of the justice system uh, to one group um, that's separate from the governing and uh, the checks and balances uh, and responsibilities there that you can end up with a fascist state. And that's exactly what the judges represent. Um, There's all sorts of just delicious uh, commentary on where life looked like in the middle of of the Reagan era with all of the fear of nuclear war and, you know, punk rock and uh, that sort of kickback against, uh, you know, the 70s of that feel-good party time uh, and became a feel-good party time in a different way. It became very greedy and self-focused and... Um, all those elements are part of this future world that Judge Dredd occurs in. 
The problem with Judge Dredd is, is I think that satire that's in there can get lost, um, that you can root for Judge Dredd, that he's the hero of the book, that we enjoy when he executes these criminals. I've noticed a huge change in the tone uh, of the comics as the years gone by, oh, literally decades have passed since his, his uh, introduction. And some of the newer sto- stories, you know, he's more of a concrete figure and the villains, you know, are more complex and have motivations and they face off and it becomes more of this grim and gritty nonsense that you see with like a Batman comic anymore. All the fun elements, all the satirical elements are, are sort of removed from it and it becomes very preachy or just very action oriented. It loses what I feel was its strongest attribute. And when you root for someone like Judge Dredd, you miss the point. You miss the point that this warning about fascism, about violence, about how a violent system will beget more violence, about desperation, about uh, just all sorts of different things with society regarding the the, the penal system and um, and dealing with human misery and poverty and um, lack of education and, and joblessness. Those things get missed, and we end up celebrating the violence of this one-man killing machine. And even in the stories where they sort of make him the joke, it's easy to laugh along and enjoy it and not realize that there's a comment there, there's a, there's a stick being poked into the eye of American politics and American society. I really like Judge Dredd, and I feel like he is a representation of so many uh, elements in our nerd culture that uh, at one time maybe stood for more than what we uh, than what we give them credit for satirically. I think somebody like the Punisher represents something or meant was meant to represent something that has been completely lost i think uh, the x-men um uh, represented something that hasn't been completely lost but has become mired in the uh the execution and it's kind of grown legs of its own So I wonder when you look at the fiction that you consume, whether it be comic books or the books you read or music or um, or television or movies, can you identify satire when you see it? Is it satire? Is it a parody? Do you get confused between the two? Has there been anything that you've watched or read that later on you found out was meant to represent something different from how you took it and you were surprised by it? That there was some deeper meaning? Some commentary on the way the world uh, was at the time that it was created? I'd be interested to hear these things because I know that I've had that moment several times. Over at our book club, our digital book club on uh, on Facebook, which everybody's invited to, uh, we read Watchmen, which every time I reread it, I, I like it a little less and a little less. But the Watchmen is a heavily satirical 
book. You could argue that it has elements of parody in it because it uses actual, you know, knockoffs of uh, of the Charleston or Charlton uh, comic heroes that were acquired by DC and that they were supposed to originally be these real heroes. But the fact that it exists without reference to those actual properties, I think, proves that it's not a parody. But uh, it was saying a lot about the world at the time. Probably as much as it was saying about these fictional characters that were placed into this particular setting. Was this a parable? Was this a satirical parable? Was it just a story and a setting that were uh, developed and uh, we just followed the pieces as they moved around the chessboard? The first time I read it, I saw it as the chessboard. It was just this dark story about these superheroes put through their paces in a situation unlike anything that I'd seen a superhero put through at that time in my life. Which, unfortunately, now seems to be kind of status quo. They they face these very adult, very complex uh, realities rather often. But what makes it stand out as a work of art is, I think, the amount of satire in it, the commentary, the execution of it all, to where it can be enjoyed to the level where DC brings it back as uh, before Watchmen and explores the uh, exploits of those characters uh, in the years leading up to Watchmen. It becomes people who enjoy uh, Rorschach, or however you pronounce his name, missing the point that he represents something, something we should be ashamed of, something we should be worried about. It's all very interesting. I would encourage you to look at some of the things that you uh, indulge in over the next couple weeks. You probably, if you're like me, have a lot of time to fill with uh, the tail end of this COVID isolation that we're all in. And you're probably consuming a lot of media. Try to identify satire and identify parody. And when you identify satire, try to separate it out into strong satire and weak satire. What really stands out where the message is clear uh, versus the stuff where the message is hidden so much that it's ambiguous, unless you know better, unless you're somehow informed to look for it. And then also identify the stuff that's so in your face that you have to roll your eyes. And then report back. I have less places than ever for you to report back. I'm no longer on Twitter. I'm limited on Facebook. However, I do have a a Lake Lord publishing page on Facebook that's open to the public. And we can definitely talk about these things related to the podcast there. So if you're not following me there, please do so. Lake Lord Publishing on Facebook. There may be a Lake Lord page that's still uh, active uh, from a prior lifetime. Just ignore that. Make sure you go to Lake Lord Publishing, and you'll see that they have recent posts. But send me a note or post on our, 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 uh, our timeline there. 
your thoughts about satire? Uh, what does it well? What does it poorly? What are some things in your life that are told that they're satirical, but um, but later on um, you feel like the commentary was either tacked on late or that the the evidence within uh, the artistic work itself is uh, is too weak to really make a claim that it was intended. I would argue that uh, George Romero's uh, Night of the Living Dead is something that um, that may have had a satirical bite to it, no pun intended, upon release, but the legends have grown around it uh, and his so-called intent and his approach uh, to writing it thus um, perhaps are overstated. And you can see that the diminishing returns with each one of his his works as he tries to shoehorn in social commentary, and it just becomes more and more on your nose and, and, and more poorly executed. I think Return of the or Night of the Living Dead was, uh, was a happy accident. And I think he did have some youthful, satirical um, commentary he wanted to inject into his, his work, which is what elevated it above just a midnight movie. And it's easy to miss. It's easy just to enjoy it as a horror movie. But I would argue that it's soft. It's, it, I would argue that um, while you can interpret a great deal from it, that uh, the evidence uh, from the time away from when it was released and the discussion of those things and the things that have been written about it, I think have, have changed over time and have made it into something more important than maybe it was intended. But that's up for debate. And that's the sort of thing I would like to hear from you. So look me up on Facebook or you can email me carlsmithwriter at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you there and um, trying to diminish uh, my reach into social media and into the net, uh, the net itself uh, as much as I can, which is foolish probably for someone who is trying to self-market uh, books as a writer, as an indie writer. But um, my mental health has improved as I've pared back, and uh, I think I'd like to keep it that way. But I do like to have some access open. So Facebook at Lake Lord Publishing. You can email me, carlsmithwriter at gmail.com. Or if you are one of the privileged few in my super family that have other access to me, reach out to me there. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what you guys report back in a future episode if I get enough feedback. It's definitely worth discussing further. And I'm sure you all have experiences that I have not. And I would be fascinated to hear uh, your examples. Well, I'm going to leave that at that for my first episode back, first episode of Good Kicker X. I'm hoping that uh, a handful of you from uh, the prior show uh, find your way back. I'm going to rely on you to spread word of mouth because, again, I've limited my access online, so I really don't have a way to promote the podcast. But ultimately, this is for, more for me than you. I hope you get something out of it. I hope maybe this is just our way of maintaining our friendship across the void. You hear my voice, you can kind of hear what I'm talking about and uh, pretending that we're sitting in a room having a conversation. I've definitely left a couple channels open for you to give me feedback if you're outside of my most immediate inner circles currently. So I would like to hear from you, and I, I hope that this is something uh, that's beneficial for more than just me. As always, there's not going to be a schedule. 
This isn't an intentional product. Um, for those of you who know me know I have no shortage of words. And uh, you all used to me talking um, incessantly and um, almost in a manic manner. So there may be several episodes that come out in a short amount of time as I try to get back on the saddle here. But thanks for joining me. And uh, before we go, I just wanted to say that I hope that everyone out there has found a way to cope with the situation that the world is in currently. And I'm referring to everything, absolutely everything, not just COVID, not just the financial uh, and mental health um, hurdles that are out there, not just the political system and uh, sort of what's going on there as far as turmoil um, and uh, the social and social media uh, challenges that exist. I mean all of it. I hope you're finding a way to cope. You're finding a way to find some haven of contentment without your medication becoming something that will soon poison you. It would break my heart to see any of you self-destruct in an attempt to find a way to stay afloat in this world. And I think that happens all too often. And um, if I know you personally, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be better about reaching out and checking in on people. And I've appreciated the people who've reached out to check in on me. And I just want to spend a little time here at the end of the show to say, you know, uh, take stock of what you're doing to manage yourself, to manage your sanity, to manage your family. What's keeping you uh, getting out of bed day to day? And if it's something that's going to kill you and just at a slower rate than uh, the pressure from outside, it's maybe not the best solution. And I hope you find a way to avoid that, to maybe make an uncomfortable decision, to get healthier, to give up some of the self-medication, to stop avoiding reality entirely, uh, even if it isn't the most fun thing in the world to deal with. This is the sort of thing I hope we all can face honestly and, um, and frankly and try to be better people for it. But most of all, in that small circle of people you've led into your life, be honest with one another. Care for one another. Lift them up when you have the opportunity and let them lift you up when you need it. Wake up every day and think, What can I do today to improve either my or someone else's station in the world? Even if it's just a phone call. We used to always tell people to call their mother, right? Mom likes to hear from you. We're a nation of lonely, lonely people right now. And human uh, kindness, human contact is at an all-time low. And it has affected us as a people, as a a community. It's allowed anger and hurt to fester. And the worst thing is, is, is when we're absent in one another's life, we aren't there to hold one another accountable. We're not there to let people know they would be missed. 
if they were to disappear completely. So I want you guys to make an effort to take care of one another, and I'll make that same pledge. I hope you're doing well. And at the end of the day, something like this is just a silly little podcast. Talking about things that are even sillier. But if I get any message across at all, it's that the most important thing we can do is improve the lives of those around us. Take care, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode.